the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Come Together San Diego, a new live local show on K-Praise designed to explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within our communities and beyond. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it. Now, here's your host, Bible teacher, writer, broadcaster, and lover of God, Kaz Taylor. Well, hello there. How you doing in this uh, this post post COVID nineteen environment? I'm saying that by faith because uh, God's on the move, and uh, the enemy thought this for evil, but God is actually using this for good. We're going to talk a little bit about that on this broadcast. Those of you who remember the '60s and the '70s, you're going to just want to earmark this broadcast and check back on it in the in the archives as well because you're this is going to be memorable not only from then but now and those of you who weren't hanging around back then pay close attention because it's coming around again in many <laughs> ways and so my my guests actually they're not guests they're co-hosts we're going to be talking about that in ways that you probably haven't even imagined what God is doing the bible talks about i think in um uh, uh one of the old testament books um it talks about the things that were are and the things that are will be. And that's Ecclesiastes, the early chapters about that. And the, the whole thing is God, you know, he teaches us, but because we are not too sharp sometimes, he teaches it again and again and again. And each time he's hoping us that we go to different levels of uh, comprehension so we can actually ascend with him <laughs> someday soon, actually. I want you to meet two good friends and growing almost best friends that's coming soon to uh, a, a coffee shop near you. Uh, I want you to meet John Rutke. Hey, John, how you doing? Great, Kaz. Thanks for having me. Oh, man. These, these guys, first of all, if you can you can hear in their voices that, that they've been around for a while. Uh, they, they're, they're, their roof is silver like mine. That means that they, you know... Uh, they have some some depth of heart, and we're going to find that as we go. Uh, uh, John Rutke has been around 60s and 70s. You, you were involved intimately in that? In the 70s. Well, okay, well, then I was I'm involved. not as old as you guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, see, he set the stage here for this. This is going to be a few banterings back and forth throughout <laughs> the show. And Ron Junkle, I call him Junkle, but he says Junkle. Okay, well, who knows? I may keep that promise. I may, may not. Or I might change my name. <laughs> <laughs> we might just change your name. Ron, how are you doing? Hey, doing great, buddy. I, the, I love these guys because every time there's a, an activity going on that is cross-cultural, uh, multi, uh, multi-age group, these guys are in the thick of it, and their heart cries to bring all the different age groups together, and uh, they've had some experience in that. From the 60s and 70s, things were going on. And, you know, music was a big deal back then. The way that the message was ministered and preached uh, changed uh, as a result of that. And those type of changes and this type of music are in the midst of changing right now as we come out of, of this COVID uh, virus thing into a renovated church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Any quick thoughts on this? And we're going to dig into stuff. John, I'll let you go first. 
Yeah, there's uh, changes on the horizon for sure. <laughs> you know, I, I really do believe that um, this is uh, a reset for the church, Yes, for the body of Christ. And um, I really believe that God is saying there's a new day dawning here. Yes. And we must shift. Yes. And if you are in the shift, you become very irrelevant very quickly. My, my, my. Okay, can, can you quickly draw a parallel between the things you're seeing here and uh, the early remnants of the, the early illustrations of this back in the 60s and 70s? What were similar? And then I'm going to ask the same question uh, for Ron Junkle Junkle. Well, what, what I think, well, it's interesting um, that you'd ask this because I recently uh, met with the president of Biola University yes. and uh, Wheaton College. Of the, he was head of the Billy Graham part of that, whatever that university, uh, that particular part of that program of uh, Wheaton College. So they met with me and a precious brother named Fred Waugh, and we were, uh, they came to us and they said, we're scholars, we got our PhDs and whatever, and uh, we have realized that the charismatic movement and the Jesus movement was really one of the great awakenings. Good, because it changed the whole landscape of exactly what you were saying. It changed the music, changed the culture of church, changed the whole identity of how people came. Right, and uh, we need to document that. Yes, and one of the things we need to document so we can, you know, it's kind of like a stepping stone to where we are right now. In many exactly, ways. exactly. Yeah, and people don't realize it, but there was that was the building blocks of what you know as the contemporary church. You know, as we know it. And however, I believe that the Lord is saying that, you know, it's a call back to the ancient paths, yeah. a, a yeah, call back further to further back. Yeah, even call further. back to the simplicity of the gospel of the kingdom. Yes. And, uh, you know, just do a cursory look at the book of Acts and yeah, yeah, say, yeah. where are we at, comparatively speaking, yeah. in our church experience to that? Thank you for teeing that up for Ron Junkel, because you know that this is his heart cry as well. Exactly. So, Ron, you, I'm going to ask you to a- answer that we've got f- five or six minutes left in the segment, so you've got some time. I'm going to ask you to not only go back to Jesus movement times, but carry it back to Book of Acts chapter two times. And what, pr- what, what common denominators do you see that are birthing as we do this cycle, uh, upward spiral to the intimacy, the top of Mount Zion in these yes. days, Ron? Yes. I, I think one of the big features in my mind was as we became believers, it was the hippie movement and so on and so forth, people just uh, feeling that there was a time of change, there was something going on, uh, they were spiritually hungry, and the message of Jesus Christ came, and it was so similar in the book of Acts, where people did not know how it was done, uh, what what to think of it, uh, how to do it. Um, and, and, and how to relate to each other, and so on and so forth. They simply had these couple of years of Jesus being there yes. to show them an example of how to be with one another. And obviously, when we see Jesus go to the cross, they all fled and yeah, kind of and freaked out and, and didn't know what was going what happens on. next? He had to kind of come back around and say, hey, don't you remember what I said? Yes. And then they kind of wised up, especially the ladies kind of ran out there and saw it first, and <laughs> the guys thought they were crazy which is so beautiful. I mean, I love it that almost anything we do or we think is going to be exact opposite of the way Jesus is going to do it and think about it. And so I think one of those reasons was that those people did not already have a um, a deep groove of how you do it that they couldn't get out of. So everything was really spontaneous. And that's what happened in the Jesus movement is we didn't really know how to do it. 
the downside was there was so many youth and so few older brethren. There you go. That, well, this time uh, around, there's a lot of older brethren. <laughs> yes, and that is the safety net that we didn't have early on because basically as young people, we were coming in and saying, we want to follow Jesus, show us how, and they hardly knew. Yes, that's exactly right. So I'm going to ask you in the next the two minutes that are left in this in this segment, I want to you to blend your uh, 60s, 70s testimony into where we are now, just briefly, because we're going to dig more deeply into that, and I'm going to ask you both to do that in this two-minute span. John Rutke, start with us. Well, one of the things that happened was it was a culture of revolution. Yes. And the hippie time period was a time of lots of exploration. We were going into drugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, our parents never experienced drugs. They didn't know anything about drugs. Here we are doing pot and hallucinogenics. And yes. so now we're diving into the, in, into the supernatural. You've got uh, an incredible revolution of music happening along with the Beatles, with Mm-hmm. The Doors, you know, Jimi Hendrix. I mean, it's getting radical. And uh, so there's a vista that's starting to open up. And uh, we're looking for that reality, you know, of what Pascal said was that God-shaped vacuum that's inside of all of us. Mm-hmm. And we're saying, how do we fill this? Well, you know, the doctrine at that time was drugs, yeah. you know, sex and rock and roll. Yes, and that was. was the doctrine. And so you followed that doctrine. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And Ron, and, and, how about you from your perspective back in the 60s, 70s to today? And then we're going to dig into this. I, I, if time allows in the show, we've got two hours. But with time allows in the show, I also would like to talk a little bit about the music back then and a lot of the music that was kicked out of the church environment because they didn't know how to handle it. Yeah, and right. if it would have stayed under the tutelage of, of, of God and, the, and God's church, it right. would be a, a different flavor, but it would still carry the, the, the sound and the frame of the different yes. musical presenters, but it wouldn't have had all the drugs, sex, and rock and roll in the thing. Right. So yes. how about you, Ron? Yeah, I think it was the variety uh, and the difference uh, that we that we were able to absorb. As we become more religious, we are less willing to absorb anything that's outside of the box, uh, outside our own individual comfort zone. And when we yes. had a whole generation of people that were looking outside the box to have a great experience, but you know. Uh, the difficulty is trying to be able to say, how do we continue that uh, on into our maturity? Sometimes we mature the child like this out of our lives as we walk along in the Lord. We become church people, and slowly but surely we know fewer and fewer unsaved people, and there's less spontaneity, less people being saved because of that, less fresh life and testimonies coming out, and so we are less inspired, unfortunately. My friend, I hope this is uh, triggering some, some things in your heart as well. This is exactly where God wants to launch from into something bigger and better. And, you know, dare I say that while the enemy might want to use the uh, COVID virus as a something to bring the church down, God is using this as a spring and springboard to uh, elevate us to higher levels if we just listen and obey. So I hope you heard the heart cry of both uh, uh, of both John Rutke and Ron Junkel in this. We're going to be coming back in a moment or two to deal with this more. But we're going to ask ourselves and you uh, the question about what the church will begin to look like now uh, in this preparation for the kingdom age that's different than it's looked before. Mm-hmm. We will uh, excavate that and other things when we come right to back. <laughs> this is Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. 
Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor, FM 106.1 and AM 1210, K-Praise. And yes, indeed, we are. You can't... uh can't uh, sneak away from us that easily. Welcome back to Come Together San Diego. Have uh, uh, John Rutke with me in this in this in this two hour broadcast, and Ron Junkel. These are guys who have been around for some time. That's not a that's not a slam. That's a compliment. Uh, you know, the sixties and seventies, they were watching, and uh, the Lord was stirring them in unique ways, and uh, that stirring has not stopped except for the intensity. And so we're going to continue talking about some of the things that they've seen back then as it comes to pass again, but it also comes to pass in, defined in a different way. You know, I, I appreciate, Ron, in the earlier segment, one of the things you talked about that, uh, that, that when Jesus died, was buried, and was resurrection, the re- resurrected, there was a time where the believers didn't really know what things were going to look like. Mm-hmm. They really just didn't know, because the rules had kind of changed, yet they were kind of the same, except when they used to look at Jesus and entrust him, they had to look in the mirror and entrust themselves and one another, because he handed the baton Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't. I don't. Uh, as I see this time right now, the COVID nineteen virus and things like that, it's forced us to see church in a different way and to see one another in a different way. Yeah. And in all honesty, I'm excited about how God is going to transform the church and believers in these times. Amen. You want to speak a little bit about that, uh, John, and then I'll have Ron do the same. Yeah. You know, I really have a sense that um, we're on the cusp of a wineskin change. Come on. Yes. There's a wineskin change. And I think that, and you know, Ron and I are coming from very organic kind of backgrounds. You know, it, I, I call it spontaneous combustion you know? <laughs> because, you know, we came out of revival. Ron was a leader in the revival. I was afterwards, you know, in well, the you were, middle you were, of that. Well, you were a Holy Spirit trouble causer within it, well, right around uh, it. You know, or at I, least I, you are now. Yeah, well, I, <laughs> before that, I was a Buddhist. So, <laughs> oh, my. You know, yeah, so, you know, that, that was the, that was, the gill net was going out, capturing us. And uh, so, you know, God really uh, was coming after a lost generation. Yes. I mean, we were the most like unlikely candidates to come into the kingdom of God. Yes. They, they, you, you would have said, this is a throwaway generation. Man, did we screw up? You know, our parents were looking yeah. at us just going, who are you? Yeah. You and know? how do we get you back if we can? Yeah. yeah. You know, we're growing our hair long. <laughs> we're listening to music that was crazy. Uh, we're doing drugs. I mean, you know, that, that's a big departure from where our parents came from. Yes. Ron, when you, when you saw this coming to pass back in the 70s, uh, did you have a sense that there might be some common denominators, common denominators to the uh, Book of Acts chapter 2 church? And if that was the case, how much more today? Yeah, in those days, we basically, uh, you get saved, you read the Book of Acts right away and basically said, okay, this is our uh, our manual. Yeah, standard operating procedures. This is what Let's we do. Go. Yeah, and we were being ministered to by the few older people that were willing to step up and kind of um, take on a bunch of young people that were revolutionary anyway. And they were simply saying, look, you're ministers. You are, are warriors for God. You are powerful men uh, of God, even though we were young in the Lord. And I think that's consistent with Scripture. I mean, Jesus was only with his guys for three years. Yes. We now have to have people have 10 years of schooling and, you know, know all of the different languages. He just grabbed a handful of fishermen and tax collectors and, sure. you know, doctors or whatever and just pulled them together and said, here, I'm going to give this to you. And uh, 
And so, yeah, we were we were on the front lines from day one because we saw ourselves as needed and valuable to the kingdom. And uh, then the next step was to say, what's your gift? Begin to allow it to flow and let it happen. So let's talk a little bit about that, because as I, I'm in uh, writing a book right now, and the chapter I'm writing about is the book of Acts chapter 2 church and the maladies that they experienced, and they kind of faltered from their opportunity to go all the way with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Things started sneaking in, like I'm a, a Paul, I'm a, Apollos, mm-hmm. and, and then yeah. all of a sudden uh, we can't em- embrace the Jews who started this religion yeah. uh, with Jesus because they're the ones who caused his crucifixion. So the whole divorce of a Jew and Gentile happened in the early days. And so the church waned fairly quickly. So I believe God wants to restore that in these last days. So I want uh, John to start with the freedoms that were given back in the, you know, the the Jesus movement. There were a lot of freedoms given, but there wasn't a lot of uh, seniority uh, for the oversight. I mean, these young people are just going everywhere. And and some of it is great. You're you're creating wonderful things, but also you can delve back into, you you can blend some of your negative past in with the the present. Mm -hmm. Give give me an overview of the things you observe. And I ask Ron the same question. Well, I, I, I honestly think that, you know, because God was capturing us, out of real darkness, you know, some people co- were coming out of real serious drug addiction. Some people were coming out out of you know real lives of sin, and uh, God started to grab a hold of us with such a tenacity that um, we were not being brought into a organization. We were being brought into an organism. Oh, nice! Yeah, and so that organism caused a community and a koinonia factor to come in. And so uh, we were bringing people to Jesus by the truckloads yes, because we were, we were foxes with our tails on fire <laughs> and we were going through the fields. Now, but you have to admit because of this is, it was a new experience for everybody that they, they, they didn't have the full proper armory. I mean, some of it goes, I've used this in the past. Maybe I can incorporate that in there. Um, was there any of that? Or did, did you sense that they were basically brand new slates and Holy Spirit was uh, marking on them as he we would? depended completely on the anointing of the Holy Spirit to yes. lead us and guide us in everything. It was not like cookie cutter anything. It was spontaneous, the Spirit of God leading you and letting that anointing. And you knew once that anointing hit you, everybody's going down. Yes. Okay. So the the question is, and I'm going to have Ron deal with this as well. Then why aren't we still have that? Don't we still have that transparency, vulnerability, and uh, uh, perseverance and faith today? God is wanting to reset this religious system, and He's wanting He's a, there's a call out of that religious system. Yes. Because it's the systems of men mm-hmm. that have caused us not to follow the Spirit of God, and to be led by the Holy Spirit and for the Spirit of God to come on us with a fire. Yes, yes, yes. Ron? Yeah, and we saw it with the Jesus movement. It, it, uh, you got saved, you begin to share the message with others. There was uh, life and vitality and exciting things were happen, happening. But then there was that uh, issue that kind of came in as to how do we keep uh, everybody a little bit more uh, in line and, and as it grows and gets out a little bit further, how do we m- maintain some level of control and uh, sort of uh, accidentally almost, uh, but with some help from leaders, we created 
a denominational spirit. We mm. begin to be a little bit worried about what the other guy's doctrine was. Is it exactly the same as ours? Is their emphasis the same as ours? Uh, you know, our guy is better. That that uh, you know, where it talks about uh, you know, you're of Paul, you're of Apollos, you're of Cephas, you're of Christ. He said, I can't even speak to you as spiritual. When you look at things that way, mm-hmm. that's an amazingly a strong statement. I can't even speak to you as spiritual when you think that way. And yet, I would have to say that if we examine our own lives and our own churches and our own ways, we're often tossing out, hey, I go to so-and-so's church. He's the big, powerful guy. I mean, we all fall prey to that. Yes, we do. And I think that's that natural cycle of there's an enthusiasm, there's an excitement, there's life and vitality. Then there are some problems. Then to stop the problems, we begin to build the fences. Ah, uh, yes. And then before you know it, we fenced off our territory. Then we try and let everything, all the garden be within our fenced area. Yes. And uh, we kind of lose that that freedom that we once had. I'm really interested, and this is a question I ask all the time, and when I see the different churches and different pastors, is there a proper balance to this? I don't think God, like God doesn't want to eliminate the 12 tribes. Yeah. There are you read in the book of the Revelation, they're there. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to eliminate the individual church denominations per se. Just like uh, you're a member of a family, you have a character trait, uh, uh, Ron and, and John, you have a character trait that's different from other family members, and that's uh, cherished of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So some of this stuff God wants to keep, but he doesn't want to make it so that you are the you are the voice of the entire family. Yes. You are a voice within the family. Yes. And so that, I think that's where God is going in these days. We, we want to talk a little bit more about that because it's a delicate balance. It you is. know, we're going through a different thing here, but I don't think when Jesus, when, when, you know, when Jesus rose from the dead, he didn't say, all of you be like Saul, uh, Paul, yeah. Yeah. or you didn't, or, or, or Peter, yeah. Paul wasn't in the, in the mix at the time, yeah. but, but the other, you need to be, all be like him. Each one of you have a different character trait. Now you need to blend together yes. and give each other some space, but also when times get tough, you band together. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about that in the next segment? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Great. I think this is great. I, I, my listening friend, I hope you're enticed. Many of you who have gone through the seventies, uh, have participated in that in some way or another. So you can really identify. And those of you who have not, uh, join us for a remarkable ride. And you're going to find out that the ride is very similar, but totally different <laughs> from the ride we're about to take right now. We'll be right back. You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it at 866-577-2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. This is Frank Harper, pastor in North County. We need more of God this time than we've ever needed him before. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the new live local show with Cass Taylor. FM 106.1 and AM 1210, K-Praise. Hello, my friends. Now pay close attention to this phrase. I'm back with co-hosts Ron Junkel and John Rutke. You notice something in there? I said co-host. They're not guests. So I, what, that's what I try to do with treat, treat the show in this way, and that is uh, I give them some autonomy and some freedom. So actually during the break, uh, John Rutke says, <clears throat> we have somebody here who has some, uh, some 
solid gold here. We want him to share some of those things. I'm going to hand the the microphone over to you, John Rutke, to actually interview our friend, Ron <laughs> Junkel. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> you know, um, Ron is a very dear friend of mine. And, you know, uh, the epicenter of the Jesus movement, they say, was in Haight-Ashbury. And uh, it was just couples that were in their 30s that quit their jobs and they said they were concerned about the hippies in the Haight-Ashbury because of all the drugs and everything. So they wanted to reach out to the community with the love of Jesus. Mm. And so that's what they did. They lived in Navajo and they would have people coming and going from there. And um, so uh, they're, that that was somewhat the epicenter of what God was doing, and many many young people got saved in that time period. Yes, uh, I didn't get saved in that time period. I got saved a few years later. But uh, one key person was Lonnie Frisbee. Yes, we, and Lonnie we, quickly uh, an overview of him because a lot of yeah, people would know yeah, the name, but not Lon, the character. Lonnie was uh, was a young, uh, I don't know, probably seventeen, eighteen years old, and you know was in a flying saucer cult, some crazy <laughs> stuff had been very uh, active in, you know, drugs and whatnot. And from Southern California, he actually was up there for Art Institute um, scholarship because he was a very gifted artist. And the reason why I'm bringing that name in and the reason why I'm mentioning this is because uh, Lonnie Wood ultimately became a very key leader for the Jesus People movement in Southern California. And... um, it was an interesting kind of a story. Don't take two minutes to explain this, but Lonnie felt compelled to lead people to Christ that he had led into LSD My. stuff and whatnot. And he had a real encounter with Jesus and he had the power of the Holy Spirit come on him very powerfully. And so he went back down to Southern California, specifically Costa Mesa, because that's where he grew up. And he was hitchhiking, not necessarily going anywhere he would use it for evangelism and it just so happened that the uh chuck smith's daughter's boyfriend picked him up ah and lonnie looked like john the baptist uh-huh. and so they didn't even think that hippies could be saved and little did people know that that uh k smith and chuck were crying out to god to reach out to the hippies but chuck's a you know kind of looks like a right-wing john bircher type of a guy you know like <laughs> bald-headed, completely out of the hip scene. So, uh, But they were crying out to God, how do we reach these young people? Mm-hmm. So uh, his daughter's boyfriend picks up Lonnie and says, you know, I, I need to introduce you to my girlfriend's mom and dad. Takes him over there, and for three hours, the way that Chuck explained it, he said, the Spirit of God came on us. And Kay started to prophesy that he would be the troubadour God would use to bring in all the young people. Oh, my. And that's how Calvary Chapel started. My, my. So my point is this. Very gifted artist. Uh, grassroots kind of a leader. Mm-hmm. What Lonnie was to Southern California, Ron Junkel was to Northern California. Oh, my, my, my. And very gifted artist. Uh, Ron is a catalyst. Ron is somebody who God has used unbelievably with a gift of leadership with the Psalm, if there's a Psalm 133, it's Ron Junkel. Mm. And, uh, but again, a gifted artist, abstract thinking, can think completely outside of the box. And who does God get a hold of? But Ron, Ron, share a little bit about how God got a hold of you. Well, 
Yeah, I was saved in L.A. in 66 just by a guy walking on the street corner and talking to me about it. And when I went up to go to school, I, just, I was kind of escaping and getting out of there. I did the same thing, began to just preach to my friends, basically, who had followed me because I was sang in a band and, you know, uh, you know, did that basic thing. And people were followers. So you ended up kind of seeing um, seeing a change in the lives of the individuals who were uh, kind of following along there. But then went up to go to school up in Northern California. And there was a similar guy up there, Jim Durkin, who had was kind of an unusual character who was outside of his, you know, had a little church with a bunch of old people in it. But he wanted to bring in the, the hippies. The same thing happened. I mean, they, they brought him in, and then his congregation kind of bailed on him. But then, of course, there's this explosion of stuff like this, and this was Jim Durkin Sr. Um, and uh, so I came out of that kind of, uh, of an experience where you were I- instant discipleship, mm-hmm. you know. And it is not as normal, you know, at this stage, you know, for us to feel like we are disciples unless we have a high level of training. And I think one of the best aspects of that Jesus movement was a guy like Lottie yeah. could, you know, or my, myself half cocked, you know, partially <laughs> unscrewed, you know, uh, <laughs> just going for it. You know, it's like, Jesus, why didn't he stick around for another 10, 15 years with those guys to get them to where they wouldn't, you know, respond or react or, or uh, like they did. Um, I don't know why, but that spontaneity and that freedom and that, uh, that outside of the box way of approach is part of what God has built into his design. So I think that's an important factor that we constantly keep trying to work out of us, thinking that it might create problems if if we think that way. And I think the more we we do begin to open ourselves up to the to the people right now, who mm-hmm. are those hippies now? Who are these young people? And now we have a tremendous storehouse oh of older my. people that could simply just yeah. begin to pour out, and there's yes. hungry young yes. people waiting to hear from them. But we got to be careful of having them caged in the teaching box where, exactly. you know, they get thousands of teachings in which they maybe are only able to live a, a few of them. Yes. And maybe maybe the teaching part needs to kind of now be balanced with that sense of freedom of the spirit. Exactly. Of going back out and, and letting it be a little bit more seat of the pants. If I would define what you said in a single word or single phrase, it would be the change of wineskin. Yes. And so I'm going to hand it back to you, John, because that has been a, a, a hot topic topic for you. In fact, when we started talking about the show, you said, we need to talk about the new wineskin. Well, Ron, you, you think you were interviewing Ron? He just yeah. handed the baton back to you. Exactly. New wineskin. What does that look That's like? That's what, what we that do. <laughs> we got about four minutes in this segment, then we can continue this conversation in the next. What an interesting John. statement Jesus would make. He said that you can't put new wine into an old wineskin. It just can't handle it. Yes. But in one of the gospels, he says, so that the two can be preserved. Yes. So it's not that God hates the old wineskin. Amen. It's just that there's certain things that they can't handle. That's that's just how it is. So so given going back to that time period for uh, Jim Durkin up in Northern California, he was willing to take the risk. Yeah. To step completely out of that, Chuck Smith did the same thing. Mm -hmm. He said, you know. he told Lonnie, Lonnie, why don't you bring some people to our church? He comes to the church with six, seven people, no shoes on, with flowers in their hair. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't go over well. <laughs> Next week, there's a dozen people. Next week after that, there's 20 people. And Chuck's finally said, this is where we're going. 
if you have a problem with it, you, it's probably time for you to leave. My, my. And so, so the analogy there was they changed wineskins. Uh, yeah, exactly. But, but Holy Spirit would remain the same, but it, the, the, the wineskin allowed for different flavors of wine than they had tasted Exactly, before. exactly. And, and you know, uh, Ron could speak into this probably a lot clearer even than I could, but, you know, I, I feel as though we're on the cusp of a shift here. Yes. Again, you know, I hate to sound redundant, but that, that, that shift is on us, and we must be prepared to take on whatever God is saying at this point in time to lay it down. Yeah, because historically there is a, um, a life cycle uh, where, uh, yeah, I remember back in, what, 1973, ministering on the life cycle of a movement and trying to encourage the brethren that I was a part of saying, see this in advance. Don't, don't wait for it to happen. Mm-hmm. See it in advance that we are likely to be all free and, 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 um, and outside of the law and, and, and all very different and exciting uh, uh, to have the differences among us and so on and so forth. But as we progress, those differences become less. We become more and more like each other. And then before you know it, you have that teaching church. You have the Holy Spirit Church, you have the Black Church, you have the Hispanic Church, you have all of these different separations. And then we're back to that, you know, I'm of Paul or I'm of Apollos. Yes. And we don't even see that it happened, that we accidentally yeah, did it to ourselves. Right back into it again. It's strange. You know, we're going to continue this and we're going to use the, the phraseology of a new wineskin and what that looks like. I, here's my tease to you, my, my listening friends. And also, I don't know whether uh, Ron and John have heard this perspective at all as well. But the Bible talks about uh, those who like the old wine better, Mm -hmm. and there are those who like the new wine, and there's room in the kingdom for both of those. And so it has to do with a new wineskin, but you don't have to change your your preference for the flavor of wine because a new wineskin can handle the old wine and the new wine because it's flexible. We're going to talk a little bit about that because I think that's where God's going in these days today to prepare his church because it's not a matter of, okay, you have to eliminate the denomination that you believe God puts you in. It's a matter of being able to flow in harmony with other denominations who surround you like the other 11 of the 12 tribes in Israel. We're going to talk a little bit more about that when we come right back. More Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor is next. FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Now, more of Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. I think we're almost illegal in the uh, the level of fun that we're having in this discussion. Yeah. You know, you get people together who, you know, show me your scar. Oh, that's nice. Look at mine. And all of a sudden we realize that God is, is bringing his church together and different characters uh, make a completely different uh, flavor. You know, there's a scripture that says that wisdom has mingled her wine. And in a very real sense, that wine mingling is happening in the church these days, perhaps like never before. You know, at the close of the last segment, uh, Ron Junkel uh, and John Rutke, we talked about the new wineskin. And I'm just going gonna to restate my observation, and then I'm going to hand it over to you, Ron, because during the break, we had this all worked out because Holy Spirit stirred, and we're just going to continue that stirring through you. And of course, John, you always have great insights, so <laughs> y- y- your role now is to jump on in, okay? So, sounds good. So, okay, Ron, here, here's what m- my sense is. The Bible talks about uh, acquiring a new wineskin. 
That's really having an open heart to what God wants to do. And so the uh, container that holds your wine has to be flexible enough to handle, uh, you know, the, uh, the the power of new wine or even, but my, my supposition is this, a new wineskin can handle new wine because it's built for that. It's built to be flexible because it's a new wineskin, mm-hmm. but it can also handle old wine. And one of the things that God is doing in the church these days, the Bible talks about some like the old wine better than the new wine and others like the new wine. So God has a provision for that in these last days. This last day's church is going to be a group. Now, uh, just take the analogy here and not, I'm not telling you to go out and get drunk, but I'm saying there are going to be different people that like different flavors of wine and God has made a provision for us all to cohabitate together. The old winers, I'm not that kind of winer, you know what I mean, and the ones who enjoy the new wine, and you had some interesting insights, Ron Junkel. Yeah, we were talking about this and I think people don't, sometimes you begin uh, your experience in the Lord, let's just say using Food, maybe not wine so much, you know, or, you know, or, or, or kind of allow it to go whichever way you want. But you ap- appreciate that first place that you go to, whatever it is, and it has a certain flavor to it, like a wine would or whatever. And sometimes we assume that that's what we really want or what is ours. Sometimes our parents pass it along to us. Sometimes it's just the people that we were saved through and so on and so forth. But we very quickly begin to see its value because we're investing into it. We see its uh, its goodness because we're investing our time and effort into it. But the downside that comes along with that is we can sometimes imagine that we've tasted all those different wines, that we actually have had other experiences. And people oftentimes, in my experience of talking with them, is they may have only tried that one wine, stuck with it. They really enjoy it. And I can appreciate that. I, I'm totally for that. But God's design is to try and challenge us to try and say, look, I have so many different parts to my body each one doing something different. It's not all included in that one fellowship you have. Ooh, Say that again, because that is exactly what we, those ministers of the gospel these days, we need to realize it's not all us, not all our own, just our denomination. We have to be able to blend it. It goes to the scripture I talked about before. Yeah. Wisdom has mingled yeah. her wine. Yeah, because we, ha- we have churches that are, that are worship-based. We have churches that are teaching-based. Yes. We have churches that are Holy Spirit based. We have churches. We have so many different yep. ones and that word have, of God based. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Bible based. We have, and we don't we don't realize that that is one aspect of it. We each one of those groups imagines themselves to be representative of the body of Christ, rather than an arm or a hand Ooh. or a head or a face or, you know, of course the head is Christ, but I mean an elbow or something like that. So we convince ourselves that all that teaching is really a wonderful thing and it can exist without evangelism mm-hmm. or, or that evangelism could be just some little smart, uh, some little part of it. And yet when you come together, like John and I have, uh, and it, being very different from one another, <laughs> the beauty of those differences is that you, you you walk with the other guy and you think, man, I wish I was more like that. 
you really begin to want to be more like that. Yes. And our exposure to the, the real body of Christ, not just say, hey, I went over to, you know, we've got a, 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 a group of our church here in San Diego, and then I went up to the one in Los Angeles. Yes. I mean, we're still talking about an elbow there. We're not talking about, hey, I went out into the body of Christ. <laughs> the body of Christ is a beautiful, dynamic, interesting thing. But once again, just like the early days of Jesus, but we got to kind of be back at the seat of the pants, don't you? Yeah, exactly. Right. But, and one of the dangers is, the all of a sudden you get the right foot of fellowship. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And that's a sad part. Yeah. Uh, John? You, you know, um, uh, coming back to, um, you know, many people think we're on the cusp of a revival yes. or an awakening. I like to use the word awakening, which means that you've been asleep. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So God's about ready to wake people up. Can anybody say the wise five, the five wise and the five foolish virgins? Exactly. That's kind of where we are. They all slept. Yeah. But it's time to wake up, boys yeah. and girls, wake and, up. And interesting enough that you would, you know, say that because the five wise virgins had both oil and Ooh, the lamp. I lamp it. is the word. Oil is the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yes. I heard somebody say it like this. With just the word, you dry up. With just the spirit, you blow up. Put Ooh. the two together and you'll grow up. Yeah. And so what we want to do now is start to function as a body, as a living organism, fitly joined one to another. Yeah. And that we, coming back to the whole thing of, you know, the Jesus movement, we were birthed into community immediately and we were almost on the fly being discipled you know we knew how to lead people to christ we knew how to cast out demons quickly we knew how to pray for people to get filled with the holy spirit people to get healed it was happening fast yeah and we didn't demand people to come to our church at all not at all we basically went to them yeah saw them saved and saw the beauty of what god did with them before you know it there would be a little happening in their town and god would be moving i mean it was beautiful And, and so often we we defer to that, uh, I won't preach the gospel to them, but I'll tell them to come to my church. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, one of the scriptures that's been kind of on my heart, uh, oddly enough, is out of Proverbs about what revival looks like. And it's out of Proverbs 14.4. And this is, I've been meditating on this for a while. It says, where there are no oxen, the manger's clean, but abundant crops come by the strength <laughs> of the ox. Yeah. So odd that, you know... Um, you can have nice, tidy, whitey mm-hmm. little church structure, yep. and you know that thing is deader than a doornail. Yeah. Or my son just had a, and his wife just had a little baby daughter, Isabella, and he he FaceTimed me the other day. He looked like his head was in a blender, and he hadn't <laughs> slept for three days <laughs> with the baby in his arms. Yeah, yeah. He says, "Dad, she's teething," but I'm telling you. He's powering through that, dirty diapers, just, you know, throwing up, just dirty diapers. She's staying up all night. But that house is full of life and laughter and love, Mm -hmm. and God is moving. And 
you know, he's kind of a bit of a clean freak, but it, I, I'm telling you, he doesn't care. <laughs> it's amazing. I, and what a wonderful, wonderful analogy with the church. And you can find this, you know, about uh, without an ox, the stable is clean, yes. but there's much to be gained from the power of the ox. Well, every church, that is a message for every single church. Wouldn't you say? I mean, everybody yeah, has absolutely. somebody that has stirred them up. You go, oh, no, they're in the church again. What are we going to do? And God's saying, you need to let a piece of what they want to do in in the mix as well, John. And, and what else I'm saying is revival is messy. <laughs> yeah. And an awakening will be messy. Yes, yes, yes. So yeah. get ready. Get you ready. Know, get ready to work because you're it is the complete antithesis to status quo. Oh, that's so good. We're and gonna, when it's done with love, yes. it's an adventure. Yes, when totally. you're doing it with friends, Absolutely. it's fantastic. Yeah. We don't have to set up some giant superstructure yeah. for us to keep walking together. Yes. We've been walking together since the first day we met. Same yes. way with you, same way with Neil. Yes. Yeah. It's yes, a so wonderful body of Christ. We're going to talk. To explore. We're, gonna, we're <laughs> going to excavate that some more in the last hour. We've finished the first hour of this broadcast. Can you believe wow. that? All so right. we're going to take the next hour to say, what does this look like? But not only what does it look like in an abstract sense, but my friend, what does it look like with you? My friend, what does it look like with you and a pastor, if you're not a pastor, and if you are a pastor, what does it look like to the people whom you serve as a pastor? It's going to, yeah. things have to change, yes. but they don't have to change to deterioration. Yeah. Conversely, they change to ascension. That's what, uh, what God wants to do. We're going to talk about that when uh, Ron Junkle and John Rutke and the Kaz I'll come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. KPRZ, San Marcos, Poway, and K29CR, Encinitas, FM 106.1, North County, AM 1210, San Diego, K-Praise. I'll tell the world, world, world. Come together, San Diego, with Cash Taylor on FM 106.1 and AM 1210, K-Praise. I'll tell the world, world, world. And my friends, good to be back with you. What a dynamic uh, topic, and that's because I have the dynamic Duo with me, John Rutke, hey, dynamic duo number one, <laughs> and uh, Ron Junkle, hello, dynamic duo number two. Hey, guys. <laughs> uh, a really Im- Im- impactful uh, topic. We're talking about what the church uh, is beginning to look like, and this is really uh, in God's plan for right now because we need to get some things uh, fixed in the way that we have thought about church, in the way that we've done a, done church in the past, and if there ever was a time, now is a time because he's got big plans for his church, and something like the COVID virus can bring that to our attention, but also kind of an open open door to comprehending maybe different ways of doing things like doing church and like doing relationships. I'm yes. going to be tossing this back to you guys, but Ron, one of the things that you made mention about this is the way that church, uh, the tr- church structure of, there are some people you talk about, there are some that are worship related, there are some that are preaching the word related, uh, you know, the word of truth, and then there are those mm-hmm. who really embrace the spirit baptism and spiritual related things. As in my observation, as I've observed the church, I see those. You know, there's a number of different subdivisions in this, but generally speaking, there are the word-driven people yeah. in the church environment, and then there are the spirit-driven people. And for uh, 
millennia and even decades and even centuries, we have been divided because of somebody goes, you know, uh, they're they're just word people. They don't believe in the power mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit people say, yeah, but, but it's completely the other around, way around. You know, the Spirit people go, the word people don't get it. And the word people go, the Spirit people are just, yeah. uh, you know. Uh, tingling symbols symbols and uh, sounding brass kind of a thing. But the truth of the matter is, I'm reminded in John 4, the scripture says, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In other words, there's a homogenation of the two Mm -hmm. in the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. I think that's the revelation that San Diego is coming to. Some people are more word-driven and some are more spirit-driven and some are just completely, you know, the the, the tribe of Judah worshipers and they kind of, and prayer warriors and they kind of uh, are the cement that brings us all together. That's what I'm seeing in mm-hmm. in San Diego, and I think uh, you guys are seeing this as well. Would you speak into that, Ron? And then I'm going to have John Rutke do color commentary as we go. Isn't this fun? I mean, we're in God's reforming, or as John says, awakening His church, and we're awakening to new realities. Yeah. Ron? Yeah, we just have to be aware of the design of God is to have us be affected by these varieties, that either variety could be bad. I mean, we see cults based upon studying that Bible, which is strange, uh, but true. Um, And then we also see all kinds of little sub things where people get off and they separate from one another based upon a, a point one of view about, here, yeah, sure. yeah, a little doctrine here or there, a way of looking at a book uh, or something like that, when really Scripture is trying to get us uh, to see something more than that. I've, I have a Scripture I'd like to read here. Um, it said, therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded having the same love, being in one accord and one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition, conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem the other better than himself. Mm. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And I think that this is a key component that if we were to really say, God, what do you want us to do here? You know, you want us to evangelize the whole world? You want us to, you know... There's a million answers to that, um, that the best way to do it would be to follow his plan and and the way he's, uh, you know, created the thing. He actually has a uh, a plan for us and, and a design. And sometimes I think we're trying to drive our car out into the water and turn it into a boat. He's really showed us how to create a boat. But we somehow kind of put the parts together and try to put wheels on it and everything else, and it's not very functional, you know, so much so that sometimes I was just talking to John about it back when I was a young believer. There was this missionary couple, and their group believed that in order to kind of keep the unity of their of their denomination, they would stay in a place for four years, but you couldn't stay any longer than four years. And when you left those people, you were not allowed to speak to them anymore. Oh, my in order to reinforce the new leadership and authority of the people coming in after you. Yes. What well, sounds interesting, but it's like, you know, it's like throwing wheels you, you, on the boat. Yeah, you know, you're it's like cutting yourself off from the family. The whole thing is about relationship. Yes. Isn't it wonderful? Wouldn't it be nice if people could talk to their old friends about what they're learning from the new guy and that the new guy would be reaching out to the old guy and saying, teach me, talk yes. to me, share with me, mentor me, so on and so forth. But we have these competitions that this sure. scripture in Philippians 
speaks to us sure. about. We kind of fight against his design, and then when it turns into kind of something kind of strange, we can't figure out how it happened. And I think that that's what's important for us to realize, that he's, he's designed it this way. Uh, I kind of feel like if we were to take some portion of our time as believers in yes. our own little sphere, in our own little tribe, and said— some portion of that time, like I'm tithing part of my time that's into good. the larger body of Christ. Yes, that's exactly and that's right. happening more and more in San Diego. Mm-hmm. You see somebody who's kind of anchored in one place, but you see them all the time in these sure. different places. They're being affected by that. They're carrying the pollen of that back to their little mm-hmm. place. People are being changed there. And then we're realizing, oh, I guess we are all in this yes, together. Yes. And, and so what you described was the church split. Typically a church split, they would go, okay, now we're, we're not, we can't really associate with you. We're doing a, a kind of a new flavor of that. But that that analogy works also with one denomination against another yep. or one pastor against one an- yep. another. And the whole thing is, you know, they're believers, yes, but you go over there, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change your way of thinking. You need to stay in the parameters of our church, our teaching, and you can't go there. I think yeah. that's the biggest danger for, you know, the, the book of Acts chapter 2 church, the yes. I am of Paul, Apollos, Cephas, and so forth. That is what happened there. That is the dangers of what's happening. Here we have basically a clean Slate, it's, it's, it's actually be, had, has been cleaned by the, the sponge of Covina, <laughs> the Covina virus. Yeah. And now we have an opportunity to do this differently so that we can cohabitate not only uh, with people that have tr- split from our church but kept the same denominational flavor, but not, they don't yes. cohabitate, but also those who don't have a denominational flavor that we can cohabitate as well. John, thoughts? Well, you know, the thing is this, that... Uh, there's a big banqueting table. Yeah. <laughs> and yep. unfortunately the body's been on food stamps for a while. <laughs> and so the the awakening has to come for the church to snap out of it. Yeah. And to see the bigger picture. Um uh, these are terms that I love to use that God wants us to cross-pollinate. He wants us to tap into different parts of the body yeah. so that they can function. That's so good. Model some things for other parts of the body because the other, some parts of the body I'm looking at them modeling it and I'm just going, boy, that's really helpful yes. for me, you know? And, and again, you know, I'm Ron and I are talking about our relationship and how different we are from one another, you know? And yet, man, I do. I love how he rolls and I love how he functions and, how God is using him in such a powerful way. And I know he feels the same thing yep. about me. Yes. Same exact same thing that I feel for him, he feels for me. Yeah. And that's why, you know, we've got to begin to be Barnabases. Yeah. Signs of encouragement. Define that. Mm-hmm. Barnabas, son of encouragement. Good. You know, it's interesting. He was uh, the tribe of Levi. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he sold property. They weren't supposed to own property. <laughs> what it shows me about Barnabas, this guy's probably so disillusioned that he ends up in Jerusalem because he's got a level of devotion on him, and he gets swept into that gill net like I got swept yeah, into a yeah. gill net. Yep. And uh, God knew the right person to send to Paul, who was Saul at the time, but would need the encouragement and strength to help him move forward into what yeah. God's going we have to be one for all and all for one. Yes. It has to bring unity to the body of Christ 
so that the body can function. I like it. I like it. A lot of that is down to the leaders. Yes. Because we do find the leaders are setting that tempo as to whether or not we ought to be frightened of others or whether we ought to embrace others. And so we really have to, just like Scripture does. I mean, Jesus came right to the leadership and just sort of said, hey, guys, this is where it's at. So we're going to can we talk about this thing? You know, in fact, we're going to key off of your phrase that you did early on in this segment. You said it's a big banqueting table. So we're going to take that theme and play it out in the next segment. What does that really sound like? It reminds me of scripture in uh, Matthew and Luke, where it talks about a wealthy man preparing a banquet, preparing a feast. And he had some great revelations on how we need to prepare for it because it's not our denomination only. I mean, it's a big banqueting table and he wants to include Jew and Gentile, bond and free, everybody on highways, byways, uh, all over the place. And we're going to discuss what that might look like, not only today as this COVID virus clears, what is the complexion of the church going to look like? I think this whole parable about the feast and the man who has prepared the feast and the fact that it's a big banqueting table Mm -hmm. has everything to do with where we need to be today and into tomorrow. We'll talk more about that. When John and Ron and Kazamoto come right back. <laughs> right. This is Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on K Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. Hello, my friends, and yes, indeed, I am back, but I am not alone. Oh, no. <laughs> I've got John Rutke. Hey, John. Hey, Cass. And Ron, he keeps mispronouncing his own name. He, he, <laughs> he calls it Junkle. I call him Junkle. How you doing, Ron? Hey, doing good. Huh? We kind of opened uh, another portion of this discussion. With, it's all your fault, John, because you, in the last segment, you made a statement. You said, this is a big banqueting table as mm-hmm. far as allowing God's plan to allow uh, every nation, every kindred, every tongue at the table. Mm-hmm. And so I want to use this as a kind of a springboard to talk about this. And bear with me for just a moment. I'm going to give the, our listening friends a couple of scripture approaches, and I'm going to have you guys either plow into it or say, Kaz, boy, are you wrong. We'll talk to you after you get <laughs> off the air. One of the, one of the two things. But it reminds me of two scripture, a couple of scriptures in particular in Matthew 22 and, and Luke 14. It's a story about an individual man, a great man who, or sometimes they may say king, who was creating a great feast and he was wanted to invite everybody and to, to come in. So his first communication, he talked to the ministry. Mm-hmm. He talked to uh, a person who said, you know, I have bought property and I have to go see my property. Would you excuse me from this major invitation? Please excuse me. And then the other person says, you know, I've bought five yoke of oxen and I have to go try the oxen. Would you excuse me from this? And then there was one who said, "Uh, I've married a wife, you know, and I can't come. You know, as I look back at those analogies, in, in one way, it is these things are wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. But when the call for banquet, as you say, John, is is a big banqueting table and the invitations are going out now. But a lot of people are so used to doing their biblical things and they're great things. You know, Mm -hmm. there are those who bought property. In other words, they're growing their church. They're buying properties and they're just adding their denominational name to a different region and things like that. And that's all great. Mm -hmm. But if you're doing that and the master of the house says it's time for a banquet and you go, nice I'll take a pass on that for now. That's a dangerous place to be. But also, you know, it talks about teachers. You know, I have five yoke of oxen. Oxen talk about the teaching of the word. Uh, 
there's a banquet where we're going to unify one with another. That's nice, but I have other obligations. Mm-hmm. I've got this, these teachings set up across the world. I need to pursue those things. Could you just put me on a maybe next time list? Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. And I've married a wife and cannot come. That is really a pastoral mentality. I've got my church here, and i got to deal with my the intimacies of my church. Nice for you to have these other joint things going on, but I need to deal in my church environment. Mm-hmm. The danger there is each one gets so focused on their individual ministry that they cannot broaden the tent pegs and allow this to be that big banqueting table john so of course then then let's go not only to the to the city and talk to those people but then also but the banquet still spaces are still available now go to the highways and the byways Mm -hmm. that's where god wants to go he wants not only to go to the churches Mm -hmm. that have their own preconceived notions about church and the danger is uh, that's a nice thing that's going on in san diego that's a nice thing that's going on in la or in east coast midwest or bible belt whatever it happens to be nice things that are going on in a large unity basis but i've got my things to deal with uh have a nice time and check back with me later that's the big big danger but the holy spirit says we're all we're inviting you but also it's time to go to the highways and the byways because the house needs to be full thoughts about that ron and then john yeah i think you're really on to something there uh because seldom do you have the person give you an outright no i don't want to do that but just Uh, but they have other things on their calendar you just never have time for it and i think that goes back to that filling of uh, of the oil and so So forth you know being ready being ready we need to see that god is doing something Beyond us, it's forward. It's it's out there a ways, but we need to be preparing for that. Yeah. And in Revelation, it says the bride has made herself Ooh. ready. Yes. So he can't come in and put that wedding dress on us. He can't put on the the you know do us up and and mm-hmm. make sure we got the uh, you know the eyeliner on or whatever it is we need to do or our little sandals. Ooh, I will put on the garment of praise and the spirit of heaviness. We will. We do put it. on the garment. Yes. Ooh, that's so. And so good, there's huh? an importance for us to recognize <laughs> that is part of his design. Mm-hmm. We have to kind of begin to realize, Lord, what are you asking us to do? And if everything ends up accidentally coming back to our own personal self interest Mm -hmm. you know then we find ourselves like in the case where we use people up who are part of our ministry doing service to the things we have a vision for and we never get around to what it is that they're their thing yeah, is. What is their calling? Like mm-hmm. that, the scripture that I read, we must take some portion. He doesn't say the whole time, you got to be constantly doing it. He said, but we have to do it. We have to think about the things of others as well as the things about ourselves. So sometimes we're doing the things that benefit our fellowship and our yes, particular yes, yes. thing. But, but sometimes oh. we are put in a situation that is a little uncomfortable. We're trying foods at the banquet that someone else has prepared and brought <laughs> that we thought we didn't like that. Oh, I don't like that kind of a thing. I found that with my own children and different people. You know, well, I don't like whatever it would be. Pick a vegetable. <laughs> and they got it. They, they tasted a canned Ooh. vegetable yeah. of that type once long ago. Yeah. They've never tried it when it was done by somebody who actually knew how to cook uh, <laughs> that vegetable. And now all of a sudden it is something they like, but there's a, a 20 or 30 year period in between where they didn't even touch oh, that my. stuff. So I think that's where we're coming. These revelations. Uh, I'm seeing more and more ministers and pastors beginning to realize there's a learning curve for them. Yes. They, in their own little environments, they have all the answers. Yeah. But when they get out into the larger picture, they are challenged. They have to change. They have to bend. They have to be flexible. And so therefore, all they're getting is what they're actually laying 
to some degree on the congregation regularly is, hey, guys, here's what I'm looking for from you. But where is the instance where that happens to them? Yes, I'm going to I'm going to make a statement. You can answer and say, as you're offline or you are online. And that is as the pastor goes. So goes his followers. So my friends, part of, you know, judgment must begin in the house of the Lord. Mm. God is saying, pastors, comprehend what I'm doing here. I'm bringing the different congregations together. I'm bringing the different perspectives together. And I want you to instruct your church, your body, that is okay. And, you know, it used to be don't cohabitate with these other people. Mm -hmm. They'll steal you away. The truth of the matter is, no, it'll set the stage for the greatest harvest in the world, and your church won't be able to handle it, my friend, period. Thoughts? uh, Boy, (laughs) that's a mouthful. Mm -hmm. You know, listen, we... And your time is up. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. It sounds like my wife. Um, (laughs) You know, I... We have made the pastoral the centerpiece of this whole thing. Everything. Now, the Lord says that he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to help bring the body into maturity. Yep. And so we are eight-cylinder vehicles running on two cylinders. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so what happens is... Or a five-cylinder vehicle running on one or two, uh, using the five-fold ministry. Yeah, there you go. Thank you, Cass. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, you know, what, what the Lord's wanting to do is he wants the fullness. Yeah. And for the other gifts that are to the body to be functioning now. Yes. So that it's not a one-man show. Ooh. Yeah. We've got to get off the thing of the pulpit. What people think, you know, Ram was talking about life cycles of movements. You know, oddly enough, moves of the Holy Spirit have very short shelf lives. Yep, they do. Three, four years. Yes. Azusa Street was four years. Yes. And then it was like blown over. However, Assemblies of God came out of there. Church of God in Christ came out of there. Uh, ultimately, uh, the Foursquare came out of yes. it. You know, uh, you know, many moves of God sh- flew out of there, of that epicenter, you know. And, you know, what, what I think is that the, the Lord released lots of ministries that – and we have to begin to – Release ministries. Yeah. I'm seeing young people now that have such strong anointings on them. And I, the propensity has been for the pastors to be almost not just challenged by other gifting, but insecure over their own gifting, yeah. that their gifting might be stronger than their gifting. For crying out loud, I'm raise my kids to get out of the house, you know? <laughs> yeah. I don't want them to stay yeah. there forever. Yep. I want them to get out of the house. I want these guys to grow, move, use my shoulders to get up and over to where yes. you need to go. Yes, yes, yes. Let's use that as a springboard for the next segment. Sounds Let's good. spend some time in the next segment talking to pastors and leaders of churches or leaders of different denominations or leaders of, uh, you know, a, a ministry or something like that. Let's talk to them about what you sense, Ron and John, about uh, broadening the tent pegs and how that must include people of other influences in the body of Christ if God's going to have his church. He didn't say he's going to build your church, Pastor. He says he's going to build his, and that may look quite a bit different from the way that you think your church is going to look. So can we talk about that in the next segment? Good idea. My my listening friend, we're talking about pertinent things that that are very timely right now and into the future. And listen, my friend, we need to get this right. Speaking of right, we'll be right 
back. <laughs> You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K Praise. Don't just listen to it, be a part of it at 866 577 2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on K Praise. Greg Hendricks, Rock Church, East County. God is doing a wonderful work in the city of San Diego and all over the world. He's uniting the hearts of the people, but most importantly, he's drawing us back to what our original purpose is, to love each other. Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor, FM 106.1 and AM 1210, K-Praise. Hey, 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 hey. I'm looking at the clock. I'm going, my goodness, an hour and a half of the two-hour broadcast is over with? And John goes, it can't be that fast. And Ron goes, amen, brother. (laughs) I like what's going on here in the studio because these guys are rich, 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 rich. In fact, they're so full to the brim, you walk past them and they slosh all over you. I love this. You've heard of Josh McDowell. Well, these are slosh McDowell. Just sorry about that. It's, It's Kaz's corn. What can I say? You know, we talked about in the last segment, we talked about the fivefold ministry, John. You brought that up. And we, we, we talked about uh, how different people have different callings, and we decided to devote this segment to pastors. And Ron is a sensitive guy, so he goes, we have to be very careful that they don't think that they're being bashed, because this is completely the opposite of that. But one of the things that I have is compassion for pastors is a lot of time a pastor has been given... Uh, overwhelming responsibilities that they feel obligated to fulfill when in real life God has a strategy of you coming alongside of other people's. So uh, as we talk about some of the directives that God may want to have on pastors, I know you have, uh, I would call it the balm of Gilead, the the, uh, healing balm. So set the stage uh, as we talk to pastors in this segment. What would you say to them as far as uh, hearing these things and not taking this as a personal affront, but also as an opportunity to hear what God's saying and make kind of a bigger picture, Ron Junkle. Junkle, I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I think when we come to that banquet table, uh, at first, when you go in the door, uh, it's a little intimidating. You're a little nervous. You're a little bit afraid. You don't know everybody and so on and so forth. But as God, when, when God sent his only son to bring us to that table, uh, he said, I call you friends. And as we recognize that we're friends, then it's our obligation to both give joyful reports to one another and also give each other encouragement yes. to begin to see that there's a larger picture. Um, you know, so we really have to recognize that in all of our lives, there's a place to be corrected and encouraged and changed. And I think from uh, my perspective, there's been many people that I've seen, they, they left a certain ministry uh, or whatever, because they never really found their experience. Yes. Uh, they were supporting another person's experience, or maybe their thing was a little more out of the box, like we talked about in the early Jesus movement. And so therefore, it felt a little threatening and so forth. And you hate to see, even out of the Azusa Street thing, that most of the the next steps to the next group were created out of division and strife. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you have this wonderful experience, and then this life cycle takes place to where people then begin to start feeling like, hey, we got to always do it that way that it was done that first day. Exactly. And before you know it, you're doing it the same all the time, and maybe someone else has a different kind of experience they want to see. And then they're almost forced out 
Yes, and then the tendency would be, and you can see this throughout uh, church history from the you know, Catholic to uh, Anabaptist, yep. Baptist, all, all this yep. kind of stuff. Everybody ground, uh, protects their ground, and it's a threat when somebody else comes up with a different perspective. I think God's in the business right now of going, look at what I'm doing. I'm actually giving yes. you another piece of the puzzle, and your obligation is not to defend against it, but to embrace part of that as well. And all of a sudden, it's not uh, this church over here and that church over there. It's my church. Mm-hmm. So your thoughts, uh, John? Yeah, Jesus wants his church back. Yeah, he does. It's just yeah. a simple equation here. And so how they, does this relate to the pastors today? <laughs> well, these these poor brothers are getting hammered. They're getting hammered. You know, I mean, they, they, they've got the weight of all of that on them. And then it becomes a performance-oriented thing. And then... You, who are you in relationship with? How can you just be yourself? You know, yeah. I mean, now you've got to be, first of all, there's nobody in the New Testament called pastor. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Let's just well, get except, that out on the table. Well, except when you look at the <clears throat> Ephesians 4, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. So, I mean, but they are identified called, as a fivefold number. I understand. But nobody is called pastor Friggity frack, you know. Yes, I mean, yes. that's my point. <laughs> Friggity yeah. frack, interesting. Yeah. What's the Hebrew well, of that? Again? Uh, well, we don't want to know. But <laughs> the, the reality is that we put these titles up in front of somebody. Yes. Yeah. Why? What do you have to have that title? Is that a title you need to have? I don't need a title. I don't need for anybody to acknowledge those kinds of things. The body knows who I am. Yes. And I function in what I'm supposed to function in. So I don't need to have a title. And so now these guys have got a title in front of them. Now they have to live up to that. What what if they have a bad day? Yeah. Yeah. You know, what if they're in a big blowout with their wife and they're they're there's some real sh- struggles going on there. Yes. Now they have to yeah. put that all in hiding. Yeah. Yes. And I had an even... experience of that, John, where a, 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 the pastor called me to his home. We walked through a process he had felt suicidal. Oh my. And we walked through it, we talked through it, and at the end of the, the experience, I sort of said, okay, brother, well, we'll get someone else to, to share this Sunday, and that should be a no-brainer, and there should be plenty of people who should be able to share on yes, Sunday. Yes, yes. I mean, why not? In most congregations, there's you know hundreds of capable people, um, but there is that sense of obligation as the pastor to have the message he said, no, no, you know, we've talked through this. I'm good. He, he couldn't release that Sunday experience one time, even when he was in a deep life crisis. I mean, that. Yeah, that's, that's, that, that, that's the thing. You know, God is about ready to bring a harvest in. Yes. Okay? He's not going to bring a harvest into an institution. He's going to bring it into a family. A body. A body yeah, yeah. that functions, that are, are, is in a relational kind of a setting. And I'm totally free to be who I am. Yeah. Ron's totally free to be. You're totally free to be who you are. Uh, I'm not so sure about Neil, but, you know. <laughs> He's our, Neil's our producer, and we've been teasing him for a long time here. He's a remarkable guy. But, but, but you know, like, God wants us to be uh, able to just be ourselves mm-hmm. and not try to project anything or be pretentious about anything yeah. and just enjoy the journey i enjoy the journey yeah. you couldn't pay me to do this yes yeah i love how god 
works in my life. So what does this mean for the pastor as they have known it up until now? I mean, the, the, what does this mean? I mean, do they have to abandon things or can they allow God to just take them where they are? And I mean, the, the definition of what their pastorship looks like, uh, the, the other people may, have, may, may already have preconceived notions about what it must be like. You know, so you have to fulfill this or else you yeah. fail as a pastor. Yeah. How, how, do, how do people just deal with that and where we're going? It's so, it is a difficult problem because we've had so many uh, years of, of gr- getting this deep groove. But I think at first you need to just begin to ask yourself. I think pastors uh, ought to begin to say, I wonder why I'm the only one who has a title. Why someone calls me Pastor John and uh, they don't say that there's a teacher, Jane or Joe, or that there's also a prophet, you know, uh, William, and so on and so forth. We don't, we don't recognize anyone else by those names. Mm-hmm. And then we have subgroups of assistant pastors and things like that that are not really in the Scripture. But yet we see that— some These are, are of course, yes. yeah, but there are certain people that are kind of searching the scriptures, but not really noticing these very obvious things. And I wonder why I would be called that and then begin to try and grapple with that a little bit. And I don't mean just throw over the, you know, the whole thing, but just trying to say, I wonder why I feel that way. This really is supposed to be an exploration of trying to follow the spirit and understand where he's going. And I think part of it just kind of says, well, gee, I wonder if some of the pressure could be taken off if I begin to recognize that there are many different giftings. Why aren't they named and called out in the same way? I mean, sometimes we see a person's called a deacon, but all he does is maybe set up the chairs and maybe pass out um, the pamphlets at the door. When we see somebody like Stephen standing with Jesus Christ standing up from his chair (laughs) to welcome him while he's being stoned to death. Uh, I mean, we see some powerful brothers in positions that we have kind of kind of made very small in a way. And we need to sort of say, boy, I don't know how that happened, probably through just sort of this general teaching that I've gotten over a long period of time. But if I'm going to be a studier of this book, yes, if I'm dedicated to that, I speak to people that that's really my goal. Maybe we begin to start being challenged by some of these things and say, how do I do that? Then secondly, if Jesus is my friend and we're supposed to be doing this as friends, sometimes pastors are have the fewest friends because they're so busy. They're yes. running from place to place. They're doing all these things. You don't really have time to really develop that kind of serious friendship with one another. And that when they get in a group of peers and realize they're in a group where they don't have to be special, they don't have to give a message yes. at that point. They are then they're challenged with, do I feel uncomfortable because I'm not giving the message? Do, do I feel somehow um, like I'm missing my, my, uh, what other people perceive to be my calling. Yes. Am I, am I blowing it? Or are they gonna t- t- but when they sit and relax yeah. in that environment for a while and realize one person speaks up and then another person speaks up and they begin to go, wow, that was cool. That was interesting. That was just what I was going to say. That's yeah. just what I was thinking. Now, and then look- others come up and give them love they realize, hey, this friendship thing ain't so bad. So <laughs> in the last segment, we're going to put a period at the end of all these uh, open-ended sentences we've given so far. But here's what, as, as if I'm, I, I have a real sensitivity for my pastor friends, and one of the questions they might ask is, that, what are you saying, Ron? Am I going to have to eliminate 
I, I have to divorce everything that I've, I've embraced so far in order to go this new direction. But it's not a new direction. No. It's basically God's always part of God's intended plan. But what does this look like? I mean, what, I'm a pastor of a church. Do I have to relinquish that pastorship to be whom I've been called to be? We're going to talk about that because the answer is really surprisingly simple. Yeah. And uh, uh, it's kind of like God is saying, I want you to wear, uh, you know, have your uh, eyes with eye salve so that you yeah. can see more clearly on yeah. these things because now we're looking darkly and we don't yeah. into a glass darkly but there's a revelation coming that really you don't have to give away the give away the God stuff that you've been embracing yes. just a, a lot of it has to do with a different observation Amen. and dealing with that so we're going to talk about that and my pastor friends uh, you know that this this group of people loves pastors completely and, and pastors uh, are, are seeing things and they sometimes may have had to quell them because it really didn't necessarily fit with what they thought they were obligated to do. Yep. We're going to talk about yep. that in this last segment. So I guess you could say, buckle up because we will be right, right back. back. <laughs> More Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor is next. FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the new live local show with Cass Taylor. FM 106.1 and AM 1210, K-Praise. Well, welcome back, my friends, to Water That Has Been Stirred. <laughs> you know, we're talking about, a lot of times people can misconstrue the intent of a word, of a message, and things like that. And I want to make absolutely clear to you, we're talking about pastors and this new move that God is doing. And, you know, a pastor has a role, uh, I mean, a major role in this. But the issue is, a lot of times people put too much weight on too much expectation on a pastor yeah. when a pastor is really called to to cohabitate with other leaders of leaders yeah. and see what God does. And I know Ron really has a heart for the pastor, and we made some conversation in the in the break here. And I'm going to have you. We, you know, we've got uh, maybe uh, eight or ten minutes left in the entire show. Oh, wow. So why don't you? Uh, breach this subject and then we will talk about it because the, the the thing that I would not want to happen is to even presume that pastors have to make you know okay I have to change my title yes. all those cards I have to reprint I'm, I'm joking about that but you yeah, know what exactly. I'm saying yes. pastor doesn't so let, let's let's deal with that because this is a God's doing a big news thing here, yes. but it's not foreign to what He's been showing us all along the way. Yes. Ron, you know how do we uh, try to conform to God's design and where the Spirit leads is is difficult because we get saved. Is that the only um, time we have to refer to? Uh, you know, we then go to maybe Bible college, it, it, depending on what Bible college, is that all the truth? Is that the one that had everything, all the answers? Even in our own lives, don't we, in every case of our lives, evolve over time and change? And if we are trapped by a certain kind of a situation, we find ourselves stuck there. And so I, I think basically we're using you know, in this one example, you know, sorry, pastors, you know, I hate to have you be the ones that are sort of stuck out there on the, on the limb. They're, they're used uh, to being shot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this is not more shots. It's simply to, uh, to look at our system and try and say, how do we help create something that is more, uh, family like that really is challenging us to understand some very complex yet very simple, uh, uh, revelation yes. 
of the body of Christ and how important it is. And the reason we kind of ended up with pastors speaking to them is because they have the greatest influence. Yeah. So sorry about that guys. It's just that you have great influence. And so here's a couple of brothers that have known the Lord for some time and try to walk in something here and try to help this revelation go forward. We're only just trying to say that, those who are leaders must also be learning at all times and growing together. And that ends up having to be found in the environment of friendship. Yes. And so you begin to be inspired to be able to say, I would say this out. Not, okay. Let's get away from pastors, worship leaders. Yeah. Are you saying to your other worshipers, search for something new, incorporate poetry like Neil does, uh, add, add something of yourself in it. Um, or are you just playing those same yes. songs? Do you see yourself as the warm up for the word? Mm. Or do you see yourself as a person with a significant uh, desire to do something different? And if you do, uh, and if pastors, if they do see that and it come to you, be aware that you need to allow others to be able to have their space to find what's meaningful to them. And so we're kind of all in this together as part of that journey. But if we're going to find something as precious as the kingdom of God, yes. we all have to be flexible and pliable and kind of walking in this together. And, um, and so, then, so basically what you're saying, you, you, we, we picked on, I didn't mean to pick on pastors, yes. but, because, but they're the, they are right now the focal point of things. But it's true uh, if you're a worship leader, it's That's the same right. thing. It's true if you're a Sunday school teacher. It's true if you're an evangelist. Everything has to be in tandem one with another because that's the whole idea of the yeah. church. And bottom line is harmony. each person who's in the congregation is true about them. And pastors know that. They are trying to draw the gifts out of those individuals. Yes. And if an individual is reticent to want to put their gift out there, then they must be encouraged to say, that's God's design. Oh, nice, Francis nice. Chan said something really interesting. He said, um, John Rutke. As he was uh, meditating on this, he said, here I, I've got a mega church of 5,000 people or whatever, and how is it that one gift goes off to the exclusion of all of those gifts oh my. that are sitting out there? So we, we've been building an audience, and God is saying we must build an army. And Say that again. I said, Profound. We... I've been building an audience when God is calling us to build an army. Wow. Yeah. So the, the kids that I'm, the, the people that God brings to me to disciple, mm-hmm. and that's what I do. I disciple them. I don't just, you know, so there's an element of pastoring there, but man, they need to function as quickly as possible. Yeah. I'm working my way out of a job immediately. Uh-huh. But there's a scripture here I want to just share. It says, First uh, Corinthians fourteen twenty six. What then, brothers? When you come together, each one has a hymn, Mm. a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for the building up. That's what this is all about. That's right. For the edifying, edifying. In other words, it's not to take down, it's to build up. Move everybody forward. Mm -hmm. So... Anyways, I'm I'm just grateful that we have this time together to even it talk is. about this. It is. This, this is, is a really discussion big. I think that God wants to have with yeah. His kids. Period. For sure. And For sure. Uh, this uh, COVID nineteen virus thing has given us time to not only be self reflective, but also get to know horizontally people that perhaps we haven't really fellowship with much. And it's time for us to broaden the tent pegs, whether you're a pastor, whether you're a worship leader, whether you're a Sunday school teacher, or whether you are a pew sitter, it's time to get out of the pews and do what you've been called to do. 
Yes. You know, we've got about uh, two minutes left. What I'm going to have you guys do is I'm going to have each one of you to speak into, pray into what we've talked about now and let Holy Spirit seed the listeners with the information that has been given over this hour. And then we will close the show. I'm going to have you, Ron Junkle, begin this prayer. And we've got each one of you take about a minute to do this, and then we'll have to close the show. Okay. Ron? Thank you. Oh, Lord, we... We cry out to you, God, for a greater understanding of your design. Uh, we as humans, oh God, are, are so small, and we have such a hard time uh, allowing it all to uh, to come into us, Lord God. But we cry out to you for the capacity, Lord God, to learn and grow, and grow beyond uh, just the areas that we're comfortable with and the things that we, we do on a day-to-day basis. Father, we ask, Father, I just pray right now in Jesus' name that you would allow all the different uh, ones that are listening, Lord God, and those that will be affected by them, that you would uh, allow them to be finding their peers, uh, those that, are, uh, that have the similar giftings, and that you would uh, help them learn one from another. And yes, Father, yes. that you would cause us all to go find those places, Lord God, and, and cry out to you to find those who are different from ourselves and uh, draw from them as well. Yes, yes. Amen. John? Father, we do just come before your throne of grace, and we say, Lord, wake your people up, Yes, God. Lord. Wake your people up. It's the time. Lord, I'm asking that you just pour oil in their lamps. Mm. Lord, that you just begin to stir up those, break the spirit of fear that's over so many right now. Lord, that you just begin to l- release people from that spirit of fear of uh, you being able to reach in and bring provision that you are Jehovah Jireh. Yes. Lord, let them know you in that capacity, God. And I pray for all those who are involved in any mm-hmm. kind of ministry right now, Lord, that are listening. Lord, let your anointing go on them. Yes. Break The anointing will break the yoke. We ask that you break that spirit of fear off of many that are listening to this right now. Yes. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' holy name. My friend, thanks for joining us on Come Together San Diego. And I'm really honored to have John Rutke and Ron Junkle with me because these are men that they can show you their scars and say they've been through a lot of stuff and they want to use their scars as communication tools mm-hmm. so uh, you don't have to ha- experience these scars yourself you've got a few of your own that you can enter uh, enter the mix with but my listening friend here's the deal god wants to do a new thing yes uh, the the slates have been cleaned and it's time for us to move forward in this and god has used this opportunity for us to be reflective not only in ourselves but with one another let's see where he goes but understand that the rules have been ascending that that what he caused called rules before uh, are having to take a second seat to a higher ascendancy of this. This awakening is going to be have similarities to the things we've experienced in the past, but it also is going to have new things. And the only way that we can actually fully comprehend and embrace these new things is if you come side by side yes. with one another. That's People right. have gone through different facets of this before. And as we stand together, we actually become the whole body of Christ. Amen. We come, become what's known as the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where God wants to go. That's where we're going on Come Together San Diego, helping stir you up into greater things because you know what? Not only is God worth it, he's in control of it. So my friend, uh, John and Ron and I are really thankful that you joined us. And we all say goodbye now. So long, friends.
Thanks for joining Kaz Taylor and his many friends, including you, for Come Together San Diego. Join us again next week as we explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within this county and beyond on Come Together San Diego. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell a co-worker, and then let's all come together San Diego next Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise.